0: Hi, I'm Cassandra Fredrickson.
1: And I'm Norman Mitchell, and we're the hosts of Lord of the Rings
0: Minute, the daily podcast where we discuss, appreciate, and delve too deep into the Lord of the Rings Extended Editions, one minute at a time.
1: You know there's a Balrog down there, right?
0: It'll be fine.
1: (laughs) Have you ever wondered about
0: Hobbit economy or how wizards get their mail? Are you also in awe of Hugo Weaving's eyebrows? Then join us every Monday through Friday on our mission, quest, thing only on DuelingGenre.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Dueling Genre.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski. And I'm Todd Mack. And this week, we are discussing Kath Avery from the novel Fangirl. And this was a request from patron Christina. So thank you, Christina, for both supporting us and also for suggesting a book that was not on our list of topics we were planning to get to. And we always appreciate it when our patrons request something that is off of our radar. And it's great for us to have the chance to kind of expand our horizons on this podcast. So thank you, Christina. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Joe. Uh, things are going well. I heard you, and uh, well,
0: actually, I guess Betty had a little adventure this week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so Betty has has long needed to have some um, uh, some surgery on her on her legs. Listeners, and for anyone
1: who is not familiar, Betty is Todd's wife,
0: <laughs> my wife. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, and so we were trying to plan things out, and I thought, okay, I have spring break coming up. And so, we planned for her to have her uh, her surgeries right at the beginning of spring break so that I would have the whole week, the kids in school, because cause our, our our spring breaks don't coincide, the kids will be in school and it would just be me and Betty and I could take care of her uh, and everything would be great. So, she had the first surgery on Friday, perfect. Second surgery Monday. She came home and she was saying, I don't, I don't know, I don't feel very well. And we got home and then she thought, no, I feel terrible. And she laid down and then she like full on horrible influenza, like the real deal. She is so, so, so sick. And then my daughter was really, really sick. And then my son got a fever. Uh, So, and then they can't, they actually canceled all of school, all of the kids school for the entire week. Because on Monday, there were 55 out of 200 kids home sick from school and seven faculty in a school of two in a school of 200 kids and like 15 faculty. Uh so like the apocalypse is on us. <laughs> and that
1: <laughs> is how you spring break, listeners. Yes. <laughs> the ideal uh break from work was just described yeah. for you.
0: Well, yep, yep, yep. We hope for a quick recovery for everyone, Todd. <laughs> really... Oh, I need a vacation from my vacation, certainly. <laughs>
1: It's one of those one of those where it's like, "I got to go to work tomorrow." That'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> Situation. <laughs> really looking forward to that work.
0: <laughs> no, it just kills me to see, I mean, she there oh. I can't remember another time when I've seen her as sick as she has been, just like yeah. flat on her back in bed. Like feeling horrible we
1: have (laughs) really
0: um listened to the power of the word
1: flu because we call anytime you don't feel well like oh i've just got a little flu but like the real flu is pretty serious oh yeah yeah
0: and it's going around
1: well yeah it sounds like in your school so uh any listeners in uh in where are you
0: at south uh, southwest michigan look out for the flu (laughs) south South central rural michigan if you're (laughs) any listeners out there just wash your hands (laughs) All right. Well, as we said at the top today, we are talking about Fangirl, which is a 2013
1: young adult novel written by Rainbow Rowell. It is a coming of age story about a socially reserved girl named Kath Avery as she leaves home to go to college and navigates the tricky relationships with her new roommates, her twin sister, her father and various boys at college. Oh, and uh, Kath is one of the most popular fan fiction writers for one of the most fan fictionalized properties out there within this book so she has the secret online popularity as she's trying to figure out real life social situations
0: I think it's a cool premise oh yeah
1: yeah we recently covered the world of fan fiction I mean dipped our toes we didn't really offer full (laughs) coverage (laughs) of the world of fan fiction because as we found out that is an expansive universe of writers that are involved in fan fiction but in episode number uh, 162 we we kind of discovered for ourselves and shared with our listeners a bit more about the world of fan fiction. And so this novel dovetails nicely with that episode. Yes. Todd, before patron Christina asked us to read Fangirl, were you familiar with this book at all?
0: I was not. Uh, I picked it up on audible and I listened to it over the last few days and it's good. It's a well-written story and it's very well read uh, on audible. So
1: yeah, I, um, had heard of Rainbow Rowell only because, um, some of the comic book oriented podcasts I listen to have talked about her work on the Marvel comic book series, uh, Runaways. She is the current writer of that series. Um, I want to say just for the last few months. I think it was relaunched maybe late last year. And, uh, and so she was chosen because of the popularity of some of her young adult fiction, um, to, to write that series. So I knew, uh, of this and I knew this one kind of dealt with fan culture, um, just, I'd pick that up kind of through cultural osmosis, but I hadn't read the book and I hadn't read any of her other, other stuff, but I enjoyed it. Uh, like you, uh, you, you can definitely see that this is, uh, a, you know, a writer who knows her audience and um, is able to write well for that audience.
0: Yeah. And I mean, speaking of the audience, so it, you're, we're calling this young adult novel. Um, it's definitely young adult and not juvenile. Yeah. It's definitely the say.
1: adult side of the young adult. <laughs> yes.
0: So there's uh, mostly language, uh, yeah. Like I would say, th- there's no language that you wouldn't hear like walking down the halls of any college. Um, but, but you know, language that you wouldn't want your uh, your kids saying at all, <laughs> or to be reading if they're not adults. Yeah. All right. Well, some trivia
1: about this book, uh, Rainbow Rowell, uh, the author, she published her first novel attachments in 2011, uh, and her first YA novel was called Eleanor and Park and was published in 2013. Fangirl was her second novel, uh, uh or was her second YA novel, young adult novel. And that was also published in 2013. And she had a spinoff slash sequel called Carry On that was published in 2015. Uh, <laughs> now within the novel is it, it's not carry on it's it not is, the carry on from that. it is the carry on from this is it really novel. yes so in fangirl oh my goodness. the main character is a fan fiction writer and she is writing the uh well, well fan fiction writing the adventures of a boy wizard so it's very much a, a harry potter analog is what she is a fangirl of and she writes fan fiction for it and her her magnum opus is called carry on uh, Simon and after Fangirl was published, uh, Rainbow Rowell published that fan fiction novel of
0: that's amazing. The,
1: uh, you know the fake or or you know the 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 book that didn't exist in anywhere else, but in her other book, she wrote a, or published a fan fiction conclusion of that book series that doesn't really exist and only existed uh, <laughs> I, in Fangirl.
0: Did you you read this? You didn't listen to it? Uh, no, I listened to it as well. Okay, <laughs> I love um, not Jim Dale reading the uh (laughs) the silent snow is a harry potter stuff is so good and i mean she's she's like completely nailed that voice Mm -hmm. uh it's so so well done yeah i agree with that
1: um Let's see. Oh, and uh, about Rainbow Rowell, she also published a, what I read, like the description I read, I haven't read any of her other work, but this one was described as a pseudo science fiction novel called Landline that was published in 2014. Uh, But I just want to touch on uh, her non-YA novels. So, Attachments. I just liked the premise of these novels as I, this is just from Wikipedia and looking at her career. Attachments was the story of an IT worker who... Um, Scour scours the emails of employees at a big uni- uh a, a big company to make sure they're not abusing work time and work email, and he gets caught up in the gossipy lives of two <laughs> two people whose emails he keeps reading as they write back and forth. <laughs> and then, uh, landline was uh the pseudo science fiction, which it sounds I, it's one of those like time travel fantasy slash science fiction. When she, uh, it's a woman who. Is I think it was in her late thirties, and her she's kind of having a midlife crisis. I guess it sounded like from the brief like three sentence description I read. Her marriage isn't in its greatest state, and she's making has questions about her career life choices. But when she uses the landline phone, she finds out she can talk to her husband when he was twenty two years old, <laughs> trying <and laughs> to reconnect with the version of her husband that she'd fallen in love with years ago. Interesting. So I thought those were both intriguing premises for novels. It seems like she definitely finds a hook for her novels. And then, uh, you know, uh, it, yeah. where, where it has like the pitch is right there, you know, in, yeah. in just a few sentences. Rainbow Rowell is currently the writer for Marvel Comics Runaways series. And that is a series that we talked about with special guest Scott Corelli in episode number 145 of the protagonist podcast. We were talking about the earliest runs of Runaways, not uh, the current ones that are coming out right now. And it's probably good that we had an episode on fan fiction. A few weeks ago, both for uh, our listeners that we can point them to and also for Todd and I to have a little more foundation as we went into yes. uh, Fangirl, because this book swims in the deep end of fan fiction. Kath publishes uh, fanfic on a website that seems pretty equivalent to fanfiction.net, uh, which we discussed in our earlier episode. And she writes in a subgenre of fan fiction that is called slash fiction, which tends to focus on homosexual pairings of existing characters uh, who were not homosexual in the original stories and kath writes her fan fiction for a character called simon snow and we find out enough about simon snow through the course of this novel uh to know that this is basically harry potter and she seems to be writing slash fiction for the analogs of harry potter and draco malfoy and um Yeah, as I noted earlier. But Draco's a vampire. Draco's a vampire, yeah. So, I mean, it's the Harry Potter phenomenon. It's a boy wizard who's going to school, but there are enough differences that are established that it's not like she's just 100% plagiarizing, you know, J.K. Rowling. But you get the tone and feel of a Harry Potter novel whenever... uh, So, so in Fangirl, you'll sometimes chapters will open with excerpts from an actual Simon Snow novel, and it feels a lot like Harry Potter. And uh, carry on. Uh her third rainbow Rowell's third y a novel is that fan fiction that Kath, the main character of Fangirl, was writing in this
0: it still just blows my mind that she <laughs> that she did that. I mean, you well, can tell that she's that she knows what she's doing and that she's thought a long and hard about the Simon Snow stuff and like it is Harry Potter, but it's not exactly Harry Potter, and the differences are intriguing enough that it's like, huh.
1: This is actually pretty good. Yeah. Like oh. absolutely. I was wondering like as I listened to this, how much Simon Snow has she written? <laughs> because yeah. we'd get uh we'd get snippets in this in this world um Caff, the main character is trying to get her finish her fan fiction before the eighth and final Simon Snow book gets released and we kind of see snippets from most of the other seven like enough to kind of get a feel for some of what's going on in these previous seven epic simon snow stories and i was wondering to myself like how much both of kath's fan fiction has rainbow rowell written or at least created canon for in her head and how much of the actual simon snow world had she written in her head yeah that's awesome (laughs) Before we move on, listeners, we want to thank each and every one of you for listening to this episode, and we also want to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers and also give updates on our fantasy box office 2018. And all patrons who support us with $5 or more per month get to Choose a topic for us to discuss. So, Todd, you
0: have uh, the full summary of Fangirl for us. We usually call this a long synopsis, but it's kind of a short synopsis for a pretty long novel. I mean, this is this is uh, two thousand words, which is pretty short for for one of our things. While you're doing your synopsis, go. I will go
1: find the uh, page count of a print copy of Fangirl, so we can give a sense of how much plot you condensed
0: so the main character in the story her name is kath or kather is her name and she has a twin sister whose name is Wren. so together they're like Wren, get it <laughs> uh so the, the twin sisters they're beginning their first year at the university of nebraska in lincoln um, and kath is obsessed with this uh with this novel series written by a woman called Gemma t leslie about a young magician called Simon Snow. And Ren is very social, and Kath is really just interested in Simon. Um, and she lives her life almost completely isolated. Uh, she is not interested in real people. She's only interested in this um, fantasy world. It's fun at the beginning. We see her kind of setting up her dorm room, and it's like putting up posters of Simon Snow and little busts of Simon Snow. and um, It's uh, it's kind of cute. Uh, so, But college is very uncomfortable for Kath. Every social interaction is excruciating. Her outlet is writing Simon Snow, Sn- uh, Simon Snow fan fiction. And her favorite class is creative writing. Uh, and her professor is called Professor Piper. And on her first day of class, uh, Professor Piper asks, why do we write? And Cat's unspoken answer is different from everyone else's. You see, she writes to disappear. Uh, Kath feels terrible in her dorm room. She doesn't like her roommate, Reagan, or Reagan's boyfriend, Levi. Uh, she has a talk with Ren who invites her to a frat party. Uh, Ren really likes to drink and party, uh, but Kath uh, turns her sister down. Then Levi starts acting very nice to Kath. And so does Reagan. And they realize how lonely she is and they start, um, they start just being kind to her. Uh, Levi is always walking her home from the library and such. Uh, she starts neglecting her fanfic following a bit because she has some real life friends. And she's writing this this long story uh, called Carry On. And as Joe mentioned, uh, in it, there are these two main ma- male characters who are in love, which is not the case in the novels. Uh, she's trying to write the eighth and final book of the series before Gemma T. Leslie publishes the official volume, which will be at the end of the school year. Uh, Levi walks her to the library, um, one night so that she can meet, uh, to study with a guy from her creative writing class whose name is Nick. And, uh, they write this short story together and it's nice. And Levi, uh, but when they're done, Levi comes to, to take her home. So then Kath starts calling her dad um she's worried about him he's kind of manic he he works in advertising um and she worries that he won't be safe without her and ren looking out, f- out for him and uh, it turns out that their mother left them when the girls were eight years old uh, on september 11th and that's why n- neither Kath nor ren nor their father uh, uh, are doing very well on the September cath on the september 11th yeah um So Kath and Nick get a huge amazing grade on this story that they've kind of co-written and they decide to keep writing together. And then Kath calls Ren to talk about Nick, but Ren is uh, higher than a kite and she makes fun of Kath for writing Simon Snow's fan fiction. And uh, even though they actually used to write together and Kath is hurt by this um, Kath's boyfriend, Abel calls her and uh, breaks up with her and it's, just excruciating. Um, she calls to tell Wren. Um, they kind of bond again, but then well, Kath it's not isn't excruciating.
1: Really. That's the, the part yeah. of it.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, he breaks up with her, and she's like, "You're breaking up with me?" And he says, "Well, you know, we're not really together anyway." And she's like, uh, uh. "Yeah, okay." <laughs> I, mean, so like, like, excru- well. <laughs> I mean, like excruciating. Um, I mean, like, like excruciatingly awkward. Just the whole thing is just like she's not heartbroken about this. But her whole social situation is just bad. (laughs) She's so awkward. Her support system is
1: uh, not holding her up at this point in the novel.
0: No. (laughs) And she tells Ren and they kind of bond again. Um, It turns out Kath isn't super sad because they weren't really together anyway. They were sort of boyfriend and girlfriend, but they they just didn't seem to care about each other that much. Um, There is a lot of talking in this book. (laughs) This is my next note. There's a lot of talking in this book. It, it, just talking, talking about relationships and talking about more relationships and um, lots of like inner um, monologue of Kath, th- 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 talking about how, the way that the planes of boys' faces uh, look and the way they smell like clo- freshly cut clover and stuff. <laughs> um, uh, but it's it, but it seems that Kath is definitely falling for Nick. Then Kath uh, goes to visit her home in Om- Omaha. Uh, This is for Thanksgiving, I believe. And she loves being with her dad. um, But then he tells her that their mother wants to start talking to them again. Uh, And Kath is not happy about this. Then we have more and more feelings about boys. Then Professor Piper calls Kath uh, in to talk. And she gives her a paper, and it's marked with an F. And Kath is shocked because she's a really good writer. And she's shocked that that she has an F on this paper. And then Professor Piper says that – She's plagiarized because she turned in fanfic. And uh, Kath tries to argue that this is his or this is her work. But Professor Piper insists that she's just using borrowed characters, which means that it's not her work. And uh, Kath is very upset by this. Um, But Professor Piper won't back down. She says it's plagiarism and you can't do that. Uh, And she challenges Kath to write her own stuff. She says, you're a really good writer. You should write your own stuff. Uh, So Kath goes home. And she's so sad. She goes back to her dorm room and she has an emergency Kanye dance party um, by herself. This is something she used to do with Ren, but Ren is too busy for her. Uh, And then Levi shows up. This is her roommate's sort of boyfriend who's been very nice to, uh, to Kath. So he shows up, they start to dance. It's nice. And then Reagan shows up. So the, the roommate shows up and they have this kind of awkward moment. Uh, And then right at that, at that moment, Kath, Kath gets a text from Ren saying that she needs to meet her at this bar, and and it says 911. So uh, Levi, noticing that Kath is worried, takes her to the bar, and it turns out the message was really not an emergency, and it was mistakenly sent to Kath instead of Ren's roommate, Courtney. Um, In the bar, some sleazy guys start making disgusting comments about Kath and Ren, um, and Levi stands up for them, and so does a guy named Alejandro, who is with uh, Ren, and they kind of have this sort of scuffle, and then Ren, uh, who is angry at Kath for coming to her when she sent her a message saying to come, <laughs> Ren is really not. Um, she's she's not doing well. <laughs> uh, she's very drunk most of the time, um, and and especially at this time. So she's very angry at Kath. Uh, she leaves with her roommate and with this guy Hondro. And then Levi takes Kath to a diner and they get some comfort food. So they're at this diner eating comfort food, and Levi asks Kath about Simon Snow, and she tells him about fan fiction, and he's interested in this. Um, And then later, they go back to her room, and he asks her to read some fan fiction to him. She does. Then Reagan interrupts them, and then later, he comes back and asks her to read him some more. Uh, And then, okay, so before when she went home, it wasn't Thanksgiving, because now it's Thanksgiving. Um, So Kath and Ren go home uh, for Thanksgiving to be with their dad. They fight some more about their mom. Uh, because Ren has been hanging out with, with their mom. This makes, uh, this makes Kath very upset. So then after Thanksgiving, they go back to school. Levi shows up, he's at their dorm room and he's, he's in trouble because he has a test on the outsiders and Kath tells him to just go read the book. It's short. You should just go read it so that you can be ready for this exam. And he says, you don't understand. I don't read books. And she's like, what do you mean? You don't read books. Can't you read? And he says, yes, I can read, but I can't read books. Um, and he tells her he's actually never finished a book. He can read, uh, but he can't focus. Uh, it seems like he has some kind of like dyslexia or something. Or um, ADHD, he, somewhere on that spectrum. Right? ADHD, or right. Yeah. yeah. So he, he has a really hard time focusing uh, on books. And so um, he leaves and he's hurt because she's like, just read the book. Uh, and then she chases him down because she feels like a jerk, because she kind of was. <laughs> and she asks him to come back, and then she reads to him the entire book. And then they do some serious, serious snuggling. We get some uh, descriptions of the way that he smells and the way that he looks. And uh, and they do some, some as I said, serious uh, PG-13 snuggling with each other. And then they kiss, and they fall asleep together. Uh, And then Reagan, the roommate shows up and she's mad for like one second. And then she tells Kath that she's really not mad. And then they go back to being friends. Um, And then it turns out that Reagan and and Levi, they haven't really been boyfriend, girlfriend for a while. Uh, Reagan just helps him study. And they're just really good friends because they come from the same small town in Nebraska. Uh, and Reagan uh, then later convinces Kath to go to a party at Levi's house, and so she she screws up her courage and she goes to this party and she walks in the kitchen and there's Levi kissing this other girl and she feels like a total dork and so she leaves and uh, and time passes and Levi just acts like nothing has happened. I, I have to say this about Levi: Levi is like the best. <laughs> He's just like a perfect gentleman. And he's always like opening doors for people and treating ev- everyone with yeah. so much respect. And, he, and he's conversation with anyone who's in the room with him. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's just like the, the, the kind of guy that any father would want their, date or their daughter to date. And to see him do this is so out of character. It's kind of shocking. Um, and then he's sort of acting like nothing is happening. And then uh, one day at school, Kath meets another girl who loves um, Kath's fanfic. Uh, carry on and they talk about Kath doesn't let her know who she is um, she she recognizes her because she's wearing a t-shirt um, and they have this great this great conversation but the the other girl doesn't know that she's talking to the writer magic Kath, who is uh, who writes uh, carry on so they have um, in their short story class now, Kath is supposed to write a final short story, but she hasn't started yet. And then Nick tells her that he wants to turn in a story that they've been working on together, but he just wants to take credit for it on his own. He's like, you know, it was my ideas. You're just sort of like an editor. So I'm just going to turn it in as my own. Even though and feels betrayed all because the, all of the dialogue, lots of the descriptions. <laughs> yeah. So she feels betrayed because she's been betrayed. <laughs> because it's theirs well, it's clearly not yeah his work. this uh, i mean it's such a jerk move because it, it
1: comes out of the they they were required to collaborate and so it went so well he said well let's just collaborate for fun this will just be this isn't for class this is just you and me being friends yeah. and collaborating and then when finals week comes around he's like i'm gonna turn this one in
0: yeah Um, so she leaves and she's desperate to write her own story, but she can't, she just has total writer's block. She cannot write her own story. Um, and then she gets a call from one of her dad's colleagues, uh, who, so her dad just completely lost it at work and he's in a hospital and, uh, Kath wants to go and see him. And Ren says, let's just wait until after finals. And Kath can't find a ride. And so she's desperate. And she calls Levi. And of course, he comes because he's a, the best guy in the whole entire world, except for kissing random girls right after kissing Kath. <laughs> um, but uh, so he takes her to the hospital. And then while she's waiting at the hospital, Kath and uh, Levi talk about uh, what happened. And he tells her that he's sorry about what happened. And he says it was just a kiss. And then this, it was just a kiss. It might refer to what he did with Kath. It might also refer to what he did with the other girl. It might kind of refer to both of them. And she says, uh, for her, it's not just a kiss. And again, she might be referring to uh, what happened with him. She might be referring to what happened with him and this other girl. Um, But she says, you know, for me, it's not just a kiss. And she says, I think you should leave. And so he leaves because he's a gentleman. So time passes and soon it's Christmas break. And Ren and Kath spend some time taking care of their dad, uh, but soon they turn to fighting with each other, and Ren has been trying to develop a relationship with their mother, and Kath feels betrayed by this. On Christmas morning, their mother gives Kath and Ren matching necklaces, and Kath is really upset by all of this. Then uh, one day, Kath tells her dad that she doesn't want to go back to school. She says, I don't fit in there. I just want to be close to you. He tells her he won't be able to live with himself if he drops out, if she drops out because of him. And so she decides and uh, to go back to school. So she goes back to school and ultimately – Um, she just decides to give up on writing a final short story. But Professor Piper doesn't fail her. She instead gives her an incomplete and tells Kath that she is one of her most promising students and encourages her to write her own story. But Kath says she just wants to write fan fiction. And finally, the professor says, come on, you've got to write your own story. And Kath says, okay, I will. So Levi shows up at her room and he apologizes and she accepts his apology and they make up and they go on a date and... Uh, You could say it's all magic. Uh, Despite not wanting to write the story, Kath tells Professor Piper that she wants to write a story, (laughs) Um, but she can't do it. And she says, I just don't have this wildly creative fictional world inside of me. The only world that I know how to write in is the Simon Snow world. Um, And then Piper tells her, just create from the world around you. Um, And so just start with something real that you know and write from there. You don't have to create a new world. Just write the world you know. So then Kath gets a call from her mom telling her that Ren is now in the hospital blacked out. That she, uh, they like dropped, somebody dropped her off at the hospital. She was totally drunk. Uh, and uh, so she rushes she rushes to the hospital and she has to kind of face her mother, but they don't really talk about anything. And then the mom leaves and the dad shows up and Ren wakes up and Levi and Ren's boyfriend Alejandro show up as well. And the girls and their father head back to Omaha and then the boys uh, go back to their places. Um, and back home uh, with their father, uh, Art, who is the dad, he tries to convince Ren to stop drinking and move back home. And she resists. And eventually he decides to let her go back to school. But he says, You have to stop drinking. You have to go to AA meetings. You have to come home every weekend. And Ren agrees. And uh, at the same time, uh, Ren and Kath make up. Um, and so now they're friends again. So back at school, Kath and Levi talk to each other. They've been hanging out a lot since Christmas, but their relationship is not physical at all. Um, they just, they just, talk (laughs) they don't even kiss they barely hold hands um Cath is afraid of losing control with him so she's like she's afraid that if she touches him then she's just going to uh like everything's gonna cascade and she's gonna end up doing things that she's not comfortable doing and so she just prefers not to touch him um but he just kind of wants to you know be her boyfriend um and then one day he invites her back to his room and she accepts and she's very nervous And, uh, so he asks her to read some fan fiction, uh, because it helps her relax. And so she does, and it turns out that she's reading some kind of steamy stuff about Simon Snow and Baz. Uh, and then Levi starts putting on the moves and they, (laughs) it's kind of, this is kind of an awkward scene for me, but they keep just telling each other how much they really, really like each other. They're like, I really like you. I really like you. Now I'm going to kiss you. Now I'm going to kiss you back. Now I really like this about you. I really like this about it. It's very, right. Yeah. yeah,
1: That's an accurate description. If you're
0: just making it a little more abstract, they they kiss, they kiss a lot. I mean, they just do a lot, a lot of kissing and telling each other how much they really like each other, not love each other, just really like each other. And then they kiss a lot. Um, So now everything's great. And Kath is totally with Levi, and Ren is with her good boyfriend, Hondro, and they hang out a lot. And Ren and Kath are talking about how Kath is uh, finishing up the, the Simon and Baz story, Carry On. And Kath uh, is telling her that she wants to kill Baz, but Ren doesn't want that to happen. Then Professor Piper asks Kath what she's working on, and Kath ends up lying and tells her she's going to write about her mom, even though she hasn't written anything. Um, we get lots more making out between uh, K- uh, Kath and Levi. Then one day, Nick shows up at Kath's dorm. And she's still furious at him. And he tells her that his story, his story meaning the story that she helped him write, uh, was selected for publication in the school literary journal. But Professor Piper wants Kath to get credit as well because, well, she wrote the story with him. Uh, Kath is surrounded by her new posse. So she's surrounded by Levi and Wren and Reagan and Hondro. And uh, she tells him, you know what? I don't want the credit. So he he leaves in a huff because he's not going to get his his uh, his story published. And uh, Kath and Levi have this conversation about Ren. She feels bad because she worries that Levi might like Ren more than her because uh, Ren is sort of more um, more into like dressing up and makeup and stuff like that. And so b- b- because they're identical twins, uh, Kath thinks that maybe Ren is like more attractive. And Levi says. I chose you, and I continue to choose you because I love you. Um, So now the school year is ending, and Kath is trying to. They like you, or really, really like you? I can't remember at this point. I can't remember. This is like I really, 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 really like you, and I really, really, really like kissing your chin. I'm <laughs> like, okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, so the school year is ending, and Kath is trying to finish up Carry On. And Ren asks her if they can room together next year. She's like, hey, you know, now we're friends. We should room together next year, uh, which is what Kath wanted to do at the beginning of this year, but Ren didn't want to. Uh, but it turns out that Kath tells her that she's going to room with Reagan because she's friends with Reagan. And, uh, but maybe Ren can move into their dorm. Uh, and so then Levi tells Kath that he wants to read her final project, which it turns out she hasn't even started. Uh, and he's frustrated that she won't try to do well in this class. He said, I have to fight for every single grade that I have. And now you have this opportunity to save your grade in this class and you're just going to let it go. Come on. And, uh, she says, I just want to finish carry on in the next nine days so that it can be done before the actual final book comes out and, uh, angry. Yeah, he leaves. And he says, uh, I'll see you in nine days then, finally. And then she feels um, bad. And she walks out in the hall. And there's Levi. He's, uh, he's standing just outside the door. And he says, I'm sorry. I really don't want to go nine days without seeing you because I really, 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 really like you. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and so uh, he says he'll be with her until the end. So then um, she finishes carry on. And then uh, one morning, Kath sits down to write her final short. She says, okay, I've got to sit down. I've got to write this story. So she shuts off the internet, and she starts writing this final short story for, press, for Professor Piper. And she decides to write about the day their mother left them, when they were eight years old, and uh, it was the September 11th. And and then I love the phrase that she uses. So she's at first, it's kind of hard, and she's, she's kind of struggling. And then she says, soon she's writing downhill, um, meaning the words are just coming, and, uh, and it's great. Um, So now all of the crew is at the bookstore for the release of the eighth Simon Snow book and Kath and Ren cry as they purchase their copies. And then it's the final Friday night at school and Kath has turned in her final short story and she's reading the eighth book out loud to Levi. So it's taking them a bit longer. Oh, yeah. And the making out also slows them down a bit. As the book comes to a climax, Baz and Simon come together and they don't hold hands. They just shake hands. It's not exactly carry on, but it's close enough for Kath. And then in the epilogue, we get not Jim Dale reading from Kath's final short story called Left, which has won an award from the school's literary magazine, The End. Ah, good summary, Todd. In some ways,
1: I think uh, summarizing this was a bit like when we summarize musicals and it's like, well, there's a musical number that takes up five minutes of film. but one second of a plot. It's like, well, then they talk about each other a lot. <laughs> Which, uh you know, maybe for the audience that does a lot, but for the plot, it doesn't really move the plot yes.
0: forward. So when you're just summarizing the actual plot, you get a trim quite a bit there. No, I think she's good. I mean, I am making I'm making light of this because it's kind of funny when you're summarizing it. Uh but I, I mean she's a good writer and, and she yes. she definitely knows her craft well. I mean she wrote the whole the whole dang carry on book. <laughs> like, uh, you know, she's not a lightweight. Um, she's really good at what she does, and so uh, I hope that people aren't offended by my. I, I think it's funny. <laughs> like, how yeah. do you summarize people like doing serious PG thirteen snuggling and kissing each other's chins and telling them that they really, really like each other? Except to just, you know, say it. Say it how it is.
1: <laughs> uh, also, it's probably worth noting we're not the target audience for some of that. <laughs> you <know>? No, so. <laughs> Like we got some of those extras like, okay, what's what's happening next. I would like, what's going to happen next. Okay. We're just going to get yes. some more descriptions. Uh, yep. but on the whole, uh, I love the world that she's able to build and the hook of having this fan fiction writer, um, works really well. But then also I think one thing narratively and plot structure wise that happens because of that is you get some real um, deadlines that feel like they have stakes because she's trying to finish carry on before the actual book gets published. So, within, you know, naturally you're given a deadline there and then you get added on uh, the because of the college setting, the deadline for her her other short story that she actually has to write this or she's going to fail a class and her GPA all dropping off that she's going to lose her scholarship. So, she actually um, has to write that. Um, and I think that naturally creates stakes and um, tension. for what she has to accomplish whereas in you know if you've ever tried to sit down and write sometimes you're like well i want this thing to have to have happen and you you kind of force stakes and force tension uh and this the world that she chose to set this in uh allowed that tension to just be there and work really well
0: yeah and um i think she does a such a good job of of explaining why the stakes matter. And at, like at the end when Levi, Levi's saying, come on, just write the short story and get a grade for your class. Who cares? Who cares if Carry On comes out the day before or the day after the eighth book is released? And she says it matters because, because her book is basically for all of these fans. It's the only Simon Snow story. Until the official one comes out. So she says, as soon as the official one comes out, then I'm relegated to alternate universe uh, deviant stuff. But today, I am writing Simon Snow for all of these people. And like it makes so much sense when she explains that, that it makes the stakes matter. And one of the things that I love about this story is I think that, um, that Rainbow totally gets this right Um, in kind of balancing both sides of the fan fiction equation. I think you see both sides of it so well in, in the, how much it means to Kath and how disappointed her professor is in what she's doing. And this challenge to do something that's her own. And uh, I love that we get both sides of that equation. Um, And, and I don't feel like either of them is, uh like sold short
1: yeah and when we did our fan fiction episode we kind of delved into uh the this issue of how fan fiction is perceived and like it's its status and um i i think an interesting jumping off point that we had then was uh that i like the the week we were recording that episode i'd seen a comic book writer say Really, uh, everything that's been done since Stanley and Steve Ditko created Spider-Man is just fan fiction. And then another comic book writer immediately said, "No, no, <laughs> like I'm not like I don't want to denigrate fan fiction, but this is a different thing to be doing yeah. these." Uh, you know, licensed and published by the rights owner, uh, continuing stories that the editors are, you know, mandating certain elements of. That's different than just doing, doing fan fiction. And he, he was also trying to say, like, there's quality fan fiction that it's just, it's a different thing than the continuing stories, um, of, of these characters. But it, it's it, uh, like, it, I would really recommend we can't just rehash that whole episode, but I, there's a lot of intriguing and fascinating, um, conundrums about art and creativity and rights and licensing that exists around fan fiction.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I just, I think that, uh, so much of what we discussed in that episode comes out in this novel in, uh, just smart ways. And I like that.
1: Um, talking about the prompt from the teacher for me, that was one of the more interesting, um, Aspects of the of the story, the first day of class when she says, "Why do we write fiction?" Uh-huh. and just doing the the open ended discussion, which um, that's a lot of my teaching style in front of the classroom is just launch class with an open ended question and <laughs> see see how long that rides. Um, and, and it was interesting to see how that open ended question got played through the class and everything that was responded to by the students and also inside of Kath's head, like works as an answer, even though many of them were like completely contradictory, uh, yes. but it still worked for reasons why people would write fiction. Um, and specifically that she was talking about writing, not, not reading and consuming fiction, but why would someone sit down and create this world <laughs> you know, and, and present yeah. it on the page? Um, some of the reasons that were given were um, to get what's in your head onto a page and then immediately Kath thought, well, no, it's to escape what's in your head. <laughs> yes. And I love that. Like that, that, um, contrast was one of my favorite moments. Um, because I think both of those are valid reasons why some people write.
0: I think it's so interesting. She says, I, I write to disappear. And I mean, it's, it's fascinating when she actually meets one of her biggest fans and the fan doesn't even know that it's her, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like becomes patent. this. Uh, like the th- theoretical I write to disappear becomes real when you see her and she's basically invisible to this girl. And they're just um, kind of geeking out about, about Simon <laughs> and uh, and Kath is in her head, like kind of trying to wrap her brain around what's happening. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's cool. I, I think it's a, yeah, I think it's an interesting question. I have the, I have a question um, and this is something that I've been thinking about for a while. And I was hoping maybe you could help me with this so i'm um i'm 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 fascinated by well I've talked about autism before in this class i mean in this uh in this podcast, but at the beginning of this story when when catharized at college, it's like a textbook description of someone with autism uh like down to the fact that um like she she hates making eye contact with people and um she has so autism is difficulty communicating um difficulty with social interaction and then uh obsessive uh or repetitive behaviors and she basically has all of these things right um and then and then also many people with autism have sensory processing disorder which means that their uh, their nervous system is either hypersensitive or hyposensitive, depending on uh the system. So you may have like hypersensitive hearing, but hyposensitive skin. Um, and and you get this where uh, where Kath is saying like she can smell people's deodorant and she can hear them like squeaking in their chairs. This is all the kinds of things that you hear with people with autism. Now, Kath doesn't have autism, right? Like <laughs> it's never said in the story that she does. But um I've been thinking a lot about something that like this the term that I'm throwing around in my head is like philosophical autism or something, where writers will use like the the clinical terminology of autism to describe just isolation, and i I struggle to know if. If I just see it because I think about autism a lot, because my kids have autism, and I've done like some research and writing in this you area, an or if there's something on autism in X Men comics, uh, yeah, Age the X Men, or if there's something like really there, but I just I feel like I see this so often where we have characters that are struggling with isolation, and I feel like so much of modern literature is about people um, struggling to break out of isolation and to be able to connect with other people. Um and, and I find like more and more that authors are resorting to either um just inserting autistic characters into their novels or or describing their their characters using the trappings of autism to to create that sense of isolation. I mean autism basically means like drawn in on yourself or something like that. So I don't know I don't know what if if there's anything there but that I I could not not think about that at the beginning of the story based on her description.
1: So um as you're you were describing it like I could see some of the markers of what today gets kind of gets termed like on the spectrum. Uh and it hadn't stood out to me as clearly for the description of her but like for Oh, oh, what is her boyfriend's name? The like when he talked about reading, like I'm like, well, he's describing ADHD, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I, I hadn't thought about her with autism as much. Now, when you're when you're saying like you're seeing these markers, do you think it's problematic if they're putting those markers and that terminology into characters who are not being uh, uh, identified or diagnosed as autistic within
0: the the story? No, I don't. I mean, I I'm not like losing sleep over it, thinking, oh, they're they're using. They're using autism on people. I mean, they're, they're describing people without, without clinical autism as autistic, only for artistic reasons. Um, Like it doesn't bother me. I, I, I suppose that there would be people who would be bothered by that, but it just seems so clear that that that's what's going on. Um, and I've, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm just fascinated by it. I think, I think that there are like really important ramifications for, uh, for that kind of thinking and that, that the, like the modern individual as completely isolated from people around them. And, and as autism becomes more and more prevalent, uh, then I think it's natural that we, that we, see that not only as a clinical thing, but also as just like a philosophical kind of theoretical thing. Mm -hmm.
1: I'm wondering if it's happening because I mean, like you said, it's, it's being diagnosed more, but also there's just so much more awareness of it, even than when we were growing up as adolescents, (laughs) like it just wasn't really on the radar. Uh, and so it's become something that's that's more known both for authors who are creating characters and then also for readers um who are who are consuming the these character descriptions that uh and, and maybe some of it is that you get um descriptions that uh that register for us as being representative of someone on the spectrum, even if the author hadn't intended that because we're more aware of the spectrum. Um
0: Yeah. It's sort well, like, and sort of uh,
1: there's a I, I, th- I think this happens with a lot of mental health issues, too, as like awareness and understanding of it can increase. We, we see it more there, um there's a really uh, great short story called The Yellow Wallpaper uh, by Charlotte Perkins Gilman, I think. But in it, this was written in the late 1800s. She describes the character with postpartum depression, but they didn't have that language terminology. But like Uh you read it today as a modern reader and you're like, well, that's postpartum depression right there. (laughs) Like this is a textbook case of clinical postpartum depression, but none of that language existed when
0: she wrote the short story. Right. So the the thing that one of the things that's interesting to me is to wonder, like, do we see this? Do we see this more? Because on the one hand, it's just so much more common. and. And like statistically, it's growing exponentially. The the number of cases of uh, diagn- diagnoses of autism increases exponentially year, year to year. Or is there something about the society in which we live that makes us feel like that? Right? Like that makes us feel yeah. more isolated. And Does it have to do with with screens and social media and the way that we live our lives and um like the that we that we live inside of these little boxes, right? Like we wake up in the morning and the first thing we do is we put a screen in front of our face instead of like actually looking at another human being. Uh and then we, you know, we live in these these houses and then we get in little cars and we drive to other like we go from box to box to box, basically. Box um, with screen. To box with screen. <laughs> Yeah. And, and that we, I wonder if there's something about this, the society in which we live that heightens that feeling of isolation that's probably natural to the human condition anyway. I mean, I think that as humans, it's normal to feel isolated and lonely at times. Uh, but is there something about the way that we live and the way that we allow ourselves to become engrossed in virtual worlds or or something that that heightens that and is there I mean, it it is I I don't know that it's like causing I don't think it's causing autism, but I think it's interesting that both the number of cases of of diagnosed autism and this feeling of isolation, um, and like um what's the word? Like malestar, just feeling bothered. feeling bad. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh it, it, they're both rising, kind of together, and maybe they're completely unrelated. But we use the same vocabulary to describe both of those, both of those situations. I think it's interesting. Yeah.
1: And I think uh, looking at the character of Kath, um, it's a case study for a lot of (laughs) what you were saying, um, where uh, because of the access to screens and this on on these and these online communities, a lot of like social um, approval and like the the kind of dopamine hits of happiness that used to maybe come from personal interactions can come from screen from screens. And with her, we see Uh her like she's retreated for a number of reasons. Like she's, she's had a rough life and this first year of college <laughs> isn't great to her. <laughs> um, and, and, but she's retreated to this place where she is like a celebrity, like within the fan community, she is an icon um, within this fan fiction community, particularly. Um, she's one of the most famous, she, you know, she, her, any new post that she does at this point is getting tens of thousands of reads um, and, and so many comments that she can't keep up with them um, on this. And yet she had basically existed, it seems like, with a social support structure of a boyfriend who wasn't a boyfriend, uh, her twin sister, who she never wanted to like live in a room without, and uh, her father, that was kind of a support structure going both ways. And in yeah. he college, her boyfriend goes to another college and is going to break up with her uh, after they barely text with each other. <laughs> um, <laughs> and her twin sister wants to break out of being a twin and kind of go form her own identity with a new roommate and a new social social group and and just party a lot um and her her dad is gonna struggle a lot as as we find out um and so like her support network is is crumbling around her as she's being thrust into this new place <laughs> and this new situation mm-hmm. where she's so uncomfortable that like she goes to class because she has to but like she spends weeks eating protein bars and peanut butter that she brought from home because she doesn't want to have to figure out how to use the dining hall, which she's paying for <laughs> or is covered as part of her scholarship. And I love the description. Cause I have felt this where they say, uh, she said about going to the dining hall after a few days, she's like, she's like, I know I could find out where it is, but that never tells you like the most difficult parts to know of a new social situation of like, do you eat your first food first or do you pay first? Um, how do you know how much gets paid? You know, when do you swipe your card? (laughs) You know, all these, all these different things. Uh, and then I felt that kind of like, ah, I don't like, I'd rather almost just not go do this thing because there's so many things that I don't know, even though they're all simple basic things that be wiped away fairly quickly, it can feel like, nah,
0: it's just easier to not, this is the big difference between like this what i would call philosophical autism and clinical autism because somebody you know with cath like what she needs is a few good friends like yeah she just needs some people to kind of watch her back and show her where the cafeteria is and it turns out that she'll do fine like she's mm-hmm. going to be great um somebody with Clinical autism it's especially not a choice, especially severe clinical autism it's not a choice. It's not yes. like well, if you just had a couple of friends, everything would be okay. It's way, way, way harder than that, uh, but because it's a spectrum, because it's a spectrum, it's like where do you draw the line right, and this is why I think I think that the parallel is not only is not only kind of theoretical because 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 by definition it's a spectrum which means you just eventually draw a line somewhere and you say if you're on this side of the line then you have autism if you're on this other side of the line then you have what we would call like autistic tendencies but you're not going to be diagnosed with autism because it's not impacting your life too terribly or something and so so i think i think that the I think it's an interesting kind of parallel because on the one hand, it's totally not the same thing. And yet, on the other hand, it's so similar. And the difference is not necessarily a difference in kind. It's just a difference in degree, I think.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, and and again, the fact that um, a lot of the reason Cath chooses not to go is because, again, it's easier to not. Whereas if you have yeah. severe autism, it's not because it's easier to not. It's
0: because you cannot. Right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that was, uh, I, 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 wanted to bounce that idea for you and see if you had any thoughts on that. So thanks.
1: And listeners feel free to jump into that discussion on our Facebook fan page. If you have any thoughts, um, on that, uh, I, I thought the plot structure of this novel was interesting because you see parallel like rises and falls for her. Um, as uh-huh. she's, she's put, you know, she, she leaves her known world, enters the unknown world of college and struggles quite a bit. And then she starts to get a level of comfort uh, in a few different areas um, of her life. So, at the beginning, she she basically just lives in her dorm room and goes to class. And that is it. <laughs> and has no, yeah. no social connections. Uh, and is completely cut off. And exists in her dorm room and in on the fan fiction forum. And that's about it. But we start to see some successes in her life with her fiction writing class, where she is a freshman who's taking this junior level class. Cause uh as she says at one point like i asked <laughs> that's how she got in when someone's like oh you know what are you doing in here as a freshman uh but really it's because also she's a good writer i'm sure part of the asking was giving a writing sample and it had to be good enough i would imagine for the professor yeah. to "Well, yes uh you can be in this and so she gets her first assignment and it's all the a you know the professor puts a's all over it the one that she co-wrote with nick and also she's starting to feel like a different social connection with nick and she's starting to feel like this can be my support. And so we see this rise. And then in like her social life and her school life, there's just the instant fall of, no, no, you thought things were going well. But, <laughs> but uh, that is not the way we tell stories of a long, smooth ride to uh, happily ever after. So uh, she fails her individual writing assignment and she also finds out that the guy has been a bit of a jerk. And also you thought she didn't have a support structure before, but just you wait because yeah. <laughs> her dad's going to be hospitalized. Her sister's going to be hospitalized. Her boyfriend's going to break up with her. So so like the crash, you, it, it's interesting to me. You like, it feels like the character starts uh, at the bottom and starts to rise. And then really uh-huh. we see the character go down to the bottom. <laughs> like you, what you thought was the bottom was not rock bottom.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it feels when you talk about that rise and fall, rise and fall, it kind of reminds me of a Harry Potter story. (laughs) Like, I mean, I think one of the things that JK Rowling does very well in her writing is to kind of balance the highs and lows. And, um, it makes the reading just pleasant, uh, because it never gets, um, you're never, if, if, if things are going great, you know, not to stop reading because things are going to get bad, and uh, and those are always the most interesting times, right? Um, and if things are really terrible, then you know that if you just keep reading for a little bit longer, it's going to get better. And so um, it's never uh, it's never like too dark or too light, but it keeps this nice balance between both of those things as the character kind of navigates going up and down and up and down, and eventually moving towards you know better something good. So, I like it.
1: Yeah, and uh, it, like you said, it prevents you from ever feeling too comfortable
0: with where a character is at. Yeah, yeah. I like her development as a character. I mean, she's a, she's a great character, Kath. I like the way that she, that she progresses through the story. She's very um, – she's come a long way by the end.
1: Yeah, and I think <laughs> it's kind of interesting because if you think about where she's at, at the end, it's kind of like – uh well everything's coming up Kath, because she now has the yeah. perfect boyfriend she that won really an award is. for her original writing she finished her fanfiction writing before the final book came out Uh her sister has decided to stop being an alcoholic and is going to go back home every weekend to see her dad which helps take some stress off because she was shouldering all of the emotional burden of caring yeah. for her father and her sister had completely blown that off Uh and in some ways it really feels like a happily ever after ending but the journey to get there was so rough. It's kind of like it's okay, <laughs> like I don't mind yeah. <laughs> in this one. Where sometimes, if it, it, like if you just say where she starts, uh, you know, she's isolated in college and feels like she has no friends, uh, and she wants to be a writer, but she can only write fan, fan fiction. And it ends with her having a great group of friends, having mended relationships with her sister and with her father, uh, and she's an award-winning writer now, and she still writes her fan fiction too. It's like, well, that <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like that's a little too perfect, isn't it? But it, it feels like she deserves that. With how rough the middle portions of this book gets,
0: do you get the feeling that she is going to continue writing fan fiction after this? Uh, no, I, I, I kind of get the feeling cool. that she's done with that. No, but but she finished it, right? That she did finish her big fan. Fiction. She finished it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she worked really hard on it, and she finished it. But it's not like, you know, what am I going to do next? Because now that Simon Snow is over. I'm just, you know, I have no identity. She just, she's going to move on and do this next great thing. Yeah. So I like that. Right. I like that. That's her push or two to, to be doing. Yeah. And also I think, I think partly because the stakes are not, you know, like, it's not like Avengers stakes. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's just her and, and her family life. And like all of, all of her victories feel like achievable victories. Yes. And so none of it doesn't feel odd or out of place. Like, oh, come on. Like that would really have, like really, like you could be a successful fanfiction writer? <laughs> yeah, you could be. Yes. You know? Like, oh, you could really have a boyfriend? Yeah, actually, you could have a boy. You, you know, like none, none of the things that are that are going on in her life feel so strange or right. out of the ordinary. And even like And the, she goes the, about doing them in pro social ways. And mm-hmm. so I don't feel like I don't feel like it's weird at the end. Like, oh, it's too good
1: to be true. Exactly. And even the award, like she wins an award, but it's for an undergrad at, uh, undergraduate student. Uh, right. You know, it's a student <laughs> it's magazine Nobel at, Prize at, at this school. Right. <laughs> so it's not like she got a publishing yeah. contract and wrote, you know, is destined to have the bestseller. She wrote something that's appropriate no. for the level that she's at as, you know, a new college student
0: in a creative writing class
1: uh, at the university.
0: Yeah. If it was that, I mean, if it was, and then they turned carry on into, well, then they actually did right, a, a novel
1: <laughs> <laughs> or, or she just changed you know. the names and it
0: became 50 shades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, or the thing that I thought I was wondering if maybe it would happen is that she would, she would read carry on. I mean, it was kind of like secretly hoping that the, the, the eighth novel would come out and it would be like. Totally her story. And Gemma T. Leslie had like been ripping off (laughs) her her carry on thing. And I mean, then, you know, would like, uh, I don't know, set up the next novel or something. (laughs) But no, I mean, everything, everything feels totally believable and achievable inside of the world. Uh, None of it feels like it's way outside of what she's capable of doing. And so it's just nice. It's just a nice ending. Yes.
1: And even though I
0: feel happy for Kath, who's really suffered. And she's come through pretty well,
1: and not just suffer. But it's not that you feel like, oh, something good happened to her because she suffered. She earned these things, um, yeah. That, you know that, that are coming up, uh, and 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 so it's not like a happy ending fell on her because as a reward for suffering, suffering like a, a Horatio Algernon kind of story, <laughs> you know. But she, <laughs> she actually, you know, did the work, and uh, and had so many opportunities to just stop and almost stopped on a number of these issues, uh, yeah. but but did earn uh, a content ending at the novel, uh, you know, at the finale of the novel.
0: Yeah. And by, by saying what I'm saying, I don't mean to, um, to like belittle her or to make less what, what she's been through. Cause it's serious stuff, you know, yeah. <laughs> like feeling totally isolated and lonely and having a dad that's, that's Type having alert. nervous breakdowns and ending up in the hospital and a sister and a sister who is drinking herself to death and, and being estranged from your mom who left you on September 11th. Like <laughs> She's been through a lot and those are all real legitimate things. And she's worked really hard to get to where she's been and all of the good that comes to her. It fits the situation. And that's great. Um, one, I want to talk okay. about Levi.
1: Okay. I really like Levi.
0: <laughs> i really like levi when i saw him when when you see him kissing that random girl like what in the world are you doing levi i i just like the goodness that's in him it it might seem too good to be true except i know guys like that yeah like that are just good guys who try really hard to treat women with respect and i love that we get him in the story (laughs)
1: Yeah, I, I really enjoyed him as well. And um, I can't decide which moment was lower. It's probably the second one. But you, you see him kissing the girl. And then when he says, it was just a kiss, it doesn't mean anything. And you're not sure if he's talking about cats <laughs> kiss yeah. or, or the one with the girl. Mm, not, not like you're, you're pretty awesome through the entire book. But this is your, your, low, your, your own valley right now. Like, come, come on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I, I mean, I... <sighs> I don't know. Do you believe, did you did that part, did, did the whole thing feel like, I don't know what the word is, like right to you? Like authentic to him as a character? That he would do that? It just seems from everything that we see of him, it was the one thing in this book that I felt like was maybe kind of trying to fit a round peg in a square hole for the sake of the story. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I think the problem is we only see him, in the dorm room basically yeah. hanging out with kath and so what his life like is outside of that and how flirtatious i mean we see him be gregarious with everyone that he meets right. when he's with kath um but we don't ever see like is he is he just a flirt you know and and the, and she caught him in that moment but it really was just a kiss because uh he he wasn't in a relationship with her yet um they hadn't had their long meandering conversations of how much uh, they like each other and what they like about said, like, each other. <laughs> 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 I mean that that was still in the future uh, at that point. So I I right. I think the only kind of excusable part of it is well we, we only see him in this one setting that's completely cath centric, and so right. what's going on in these in these other times, uh, but yeah I like it. It was like really that's. What's going to happen, particularly when he had invited her and was kind of expecting her to come? Right? It,
0: it just seems weird. it's just – it doesn't it, – it, I mean, I guess the, the, ter, the term that comes to my mind is like out of character. It just doesn't seem like it's in his character, in his nature to do that. Yeah.
1: But, when I took a creative writing class, um, there was a teacher who – Oh, his name was, I, this was a while ago, but his name was Douglas Thayer, I think. And I think he was a uh, uh-huh. pretty sure was a published author. But he said, try to avoid moments in the story that don't come out of the story, but are what he called dead dogs, which is you need uh-huh. something emotional to happen <laughs> so a boy's dog dies. Even though there was no warning that the dog was sick previously or anything like that. But, you know, it's something that happens to move the story along, particularly on emotional arc. Uh-huh. He, he called putting in a dead dog. And in some ways, yeah. that kiss can feel a little like a dead dog. Well, we need there, you know, she's getting too comfortable. And for the, the up and down Valley, we, you know, we need the down uh, to come. And so it feels a little bit like a dead dog moment to me.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, in a story that I generally quite liked, it was just one, one thing where I was like, well, that's kind (laughs) of (laughs) weird. And, uh, and maybe it's because I like Levi so much. And, so much of him was just like right on like yes that's that's how a man should act you know <laughs> uh and then to see him do that i was like come on you jerk like <laughs> that's such a dumb thing to do and you know but but guys do dumb things too so whatever there are a uh, really i really I do like Levi as a character that guys have done yeah. if you would like to start listing those
1: <laughs> yeah a, a real world decision yeah, we have here, here for a while come on <laughs> <laughs> Um, come on son (laughs) last thing that I want to touch on I I guess we touched on a little bit but it's kind of circling back to that open-ended question that um, began the first writing class about like why do we write Um, and it it connected with me I, I think probably because of Uh, My self-selected social media, which has quite a few creative people on it (laughs) and quite a few uh, academics who think about art. Um, But recently, Neil deGrasse Tyson sent out a tweet. And it seems like every six months, Neil deGrasse Tyson, like, everyone loves him when he talks about science. And every six months or so, he says something about arts or humanities that makes that half of the internet go, come on, Neil. Just... just just (laughs) stop (laughs) like that's like he'll he'll do something out and like all the humanities professors i follow on twitter like this is what humanities does like what he's saying we need to do that is what the humanities does and he just doesn't know it like yeah but he uh sent out a tweet just a couple of days ago while i was listening to like at the same days i was listening to fangirl he said bears repeating creativity that satisfies and affirms your worldview is entertainment creativity that challenges and disrupts your worldview is art uh with capital a on on, on mm-hmm. art which uh is like sounds good but once you start to think about it you have to say no that uh-huh. that doesn't work <laughs> that <laughs> uh and uh a lot of both the uh creative professionals that i follow and the academics that i follow who work in the humanities have a lot to say about this <laughs> concept of creativity that satisfies and affirms your worldview is entertainment Creati- creativity that challenges and disrupts your worldview is art because it, it's it's like it, it's so reductive to try and frame it that way and immediately like you right. take a single thing and you're like well is this art to one person and entertainment to another? <laughs> like, is there no overlap in this Venn diagram right. of entertainment and art? But it made me think about that question of like, why do we write? And is is it entertainment? Is it art? Can it be both? Uh, and it just kind of sparked those. And I think it, particularly because I was listening to fangirl and it became such a social media moment uh, because of uh, who I happen to follow on, on Twitter and, uh, and on Facebook. But um, it made me want to try to connect f- fan fiction into this idea of entertainment and art uh, and it just gets murky immediately because you can't, you can't reduce creativity to just two realms and claim that that's all this is. But it, it still, it circles back to our fan fiction discussion. Like, it's just such a gray area that's so fascinating to me. And I very much enjoyed this book that kind of said, well, let's play in these weird areas, you know, we, weird outlet of creativity in a world where so much of creativity has been monetized and protected by law. Uh, and now how are we going to deal with this fan fiction side of it? And so I, I don't know that I have yeah. a great grand conclusion. It's just all these things kind of came together for me.
0: Yeah. I think it's um, <laughs> as you, as you pointed out, like to, to, to frame it that way makes the, the meaning and the significance of art. So, so subjective, right yes. <laughs> that the the art only matters based on whether it affirms or challenges your worldview, which means it well like if, if you the only thing that matters is your worldview yes,
1: because then like <laughs> if, oh, just doing the political spectrum, if you're on the left or on the right, the same piece of art, well, it's entertainment for one and art for the other <laughs> right, yeah, depending on what how it's dealing with a certain political issue
0: right or or um. Or that he's saying that basically there is a one correct worldview, and if you if you have the right worldview <laughs> and it's challenging to you, then you know, <laughs> then it's art. If you have the wrong, if if you have the wrong worldview and it's affirming to you, then it's <laughs> entertainment or something. Yeah. It's it's weird. It's a weird thing. Uh, I mean, I think I I think I understand what he's getting at in that it's important. For us to engage with things that are challenging. Yes. This is that goes back to that Kafka quote, yeah. right? Like the ax for the frozen sea inside uh-huh. us. Um, and avoiding, I mean, and I think that that's important.
1: Yes, uh, it's the issue that we talk about a lot these days with like ideological echo chambers where you just engage with people who yeah. think like you on certain issues and, Creativity and, and the entertainment that we consume can be something that introduces other points of view uh, unless you limit yourself solely to that, which conforms 100% with what you already believe, which would mean like you're uh, intellectually and ideologically like allowing yourself to plateau and say, well, I've reached full, <laughs> you know, the, the best version yeah. of myself. And there's no need to change or think about even even uh, engage with the idea of changing my worldview.
0: Yeah. The place where I work, they talk just a lot about um, the good, the true and the beautiful and like really taking seriously the pursuit of goodness and truth and beauty and um, and recognizing that like nobody has a monopoly on that (laughs) and that nobody gets it all. Right? Like you can, I mean, I talk to my students about like, you can, you, you should feel comfortable identifying truth or you should feel comfortable identifying beauty. Like, if you see something that's beautiful, then call it beautiful, you know? And like, g- put a capital B on it if you want, like, cause, cause some things are. Um, and that doesn't mean that you have to go around like with your nose in the air, um, thinking that like you have the bucket that has all of truth and goodness and beauty in it. But, but you should be willing to like accept that it exists and to and to really go and try and find it, and I mean, I think talk about the arts and like why we write um I think that's one of the big reasons that we write is because we're looking for truth and goodness and beauty and and life is better when we do that and and writing and creative writing and fiction and art is one way that we go about doing that it's not the only way it's not necessarily the best way all the time uh but it's a really valuable way um and it contributes to like to the great whole and uh that's what i like about it
1: well i think that's a pretty good spot to wrap up our deeper conversation about fangirl any final thoughts on the character of Kath or the novel fangirl
0: todd I like Kath and I like Levi and I'm glad they're together in the end. And I also was really glad that she and her sister kind of mended. Oh yeah. <laughs> that gave me a lot of joy to get to that part. Um, and that hurt. I like when she says, do you forgive me? And she says, like, that's not even a question yeah. <laughs> because you and I were always in, right? Like there's nothing that, that you could do that would, that would put us on the outs forever because you know, we're together and I think that's beautiful. With a capital B.
1: Yeah, at some point, my mom shared a quote with me and my siblings that, um, like, the longest relationship of your life is likely to be your sibling relationship because your parents are going to die probably before your siblings. I mean, most likely, obviously not universally, but you should be preparing that the strongest, most significant relationship in your life is going to be that with the sibling. And I imagine for a twin, it's even more so that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That is the relationship that uh, is going to be you know, one of the most significant and it's going to be really hard to knock it off, (laughs) you know, the, the pedestal of, of, uh, you know, all the stages of life that you're going to pass through and how close they're going to be. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps up this episode. Thank you for joining us for show notes and links to all of the other great Dueling Genre shows. Go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to The Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We would like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you may want to check out episode number 162, when we talked about fan fiction, or episode number 153, when we talked about Gilmore Girls. Something about the tone of this reminded me a bit of Gilmore Girls, And uh, just to toss out a few other that came up, uh, episode number 145, we talked about the series Runaways that uh, Rainbow Rowell is now writing. And we also covered The Outsiders in episode number 85, which is a novel that gets discussed in some depth in Fangirl. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter. You can follow Protagonist Pod, Hodk Mac, Jade and our producer Andrew is at Disminute on Twitter. And our Facebook fan page is Facebook.com slash Protagonist Podcast. We have really good conversations there with our listeners, and we'd love for you to stop by and say hello anytime. If you would like to support the show financially, you can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by going to patreon.com slash thank you again for listening and we'll be back again next week to discuss another great character in a great story so long so long
0: And then Levi takes Kat to a diner, and they get some comfort food. And then he asks her, "What was that?" It was a
1: lightsaber sound.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: I'm very sorry. It's I was okay. trying to move it so I wouldn't play with it, and the switch.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, that was amazing. <laughs> um, Putting it far
1: away so it doesn't happen again. Okay. Okay.